0: As I'm sure you're all aware of um, that as a church family we are going through a series on spiritual disciplines and how we can make them our practices and our habits and I've been given the privilege of doing this week's one on prayer um, I'm gonna start off by asking you some questions which you can think about as I speak some of you may think oh that's obvious or yes of course but just humor me and think about them If you want, you can write them down to help you remember them. And if not, they'll be on a PowerPoint, which you can find on the church website after this. So the first one is, should we pray? Second, is prayer important? Three, does prayer actually work? And what is the point of praying? I'm going to start off by covering some things which I know most of you already know, but I think it's always good to refresh our thinking. Prayer is first mentioned in Genesis 4 verse 26, after Seth had his son Enos. It reads, at that time, people began to to call on the name of the Lord. This was a call of thanksgiving, of happiness, of joy and a sense that God's people wanted to share the good with him. But originally, this was a prayer of heartache and pain, because Seth was a child that Adam and Eve had after Abel had been killed by Cain. Before the fall, humanity was in perfect union with God. They had constant communication, constant love and affection. They went to God with every thought, desire and feeling. This is what God desires to have with us. This is the way God intended it to be, that before sin came in and left havoc wherever it goes. In Genesis 3, things changed. Eve became a slave to temptation, which led her not only to sin, but also the sin of humankind. You may ask, what does this all have to do with prayer? But this is the root of prayer. Prayer is being in the presence of God, it is in being. It is being in constant union and communication with God. But we let our sin and our corruption distract us from the one thing that can actually change our lives, a relationship with God. Sin does exactly what the serpent did. It asks, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Sin makes us question and consider things which did not need to be. It made us call into question the goodness of God and the loving nature of him. When God does not answer our prayers in our perfect timing, we doubt him. We bring things into question. Sin wants to stop that relationship that we have with God. He wants immediately to build up a little wall and put a wet paint sign so we don't try and touch it and knock it down. Sin wants us to live a separate life from God. And when we're not praying, not deliberately spending time in the presence of God, we are giving the devil a foothold in our lives. But we don't have to live like this. And I hope that I cover that today. I'll be looking at different ways which we can spend time with God, speaking to him, listening and just enjoying being in his presence. So what is prayer? Prayer is essentially being in the presence of God brother lawrence in his book speaks of how we can be a people which cultivates pre- be sorry which cultivates the presence of god through prayer the first time i read this book i was struck at how prayer was not just a habit in his day but a thing that brought him great joy something that he did not want to go a day without something that excited him wow his life goal was to make god the end of every action that he did. We need to be establishing ourselves in God's presence, being in constant communication with him. This doesn't mean talking at him, but resting in him, listening for his still small voice, putting ourselves directly in his way. For example, if you have ever, ever really, really liked someone or admired them, you You want to spend time with them. You want to be with them. You spend every moment just lapping up every word that they say. You wait on the next time you can see them. You get excited about seeing them. That's what our relationship with God should be like. I'm not sure about you, but I have found that I go through seasons when my relationship with God is just like that. It's new and exciting. And other times I find like it is trudging through mud. It's difficult, the excitement's gone and my own selfish thoughts and actions come first in the relationship. I'm sure anyone who's been in a relationship for a long enough time, whether that be romantic or friendship, will tell you about the importance of communication, whether that be over the big things or the little things communicating how you feel what life is like for you at the moment what's exciting to you what's new to you what's things are bring you joy communicating how you feel what life is like in the moment in time what challenges you're facing what things are interesting to you our individual relationships with god should be the single most important relationship that we ever have with another being God did an act of love that no other could ever do. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. So we need to act like that. Pete Gregg says, prayer in its simplest form is asking God for things. Prayer at its best is a conversation. And prayer at its deepest is communion. The Bible Dictionary states that prayer is worship that includes all the attitudes of the human spirit in its approach to God. All the attitudes. It does not say some. It does not say, sorry, I've lost where I am now. It does not say a few or when we're happy, but all of the attitudes. Another word for attitudes is mood. A main part of cultivating a presence of God is being in communication. Can, can you mute, please? If you're not muted, can you mute, please? Thank you. A main part of cultivating a presence of God is being in communication with God in every mood that we have. Whether it be joy, love, happiness, I can anything at all. Um, Neutral or anger, resentment or bitterness. God wants to know it all. He knows it all and we can see that throughout scripture. As it says in Psalm 42, 44 verse 21. He knows the secrets of the heart. In my home group, we spent around eight weeks going through the prayer course by Pete Gregg. I'd highly recommend it. And if you want, the website is prayercourse.org. He went through the Lord's Prayer and looked at the different types of prayer that you can see in this powerful piece of scripture. I want to go through these with you briefly now because this course really impacted the way in which I pray and how I see my prayer relationship with God. So firstly, if you want, you can open your Bibles to Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Also, if you're a note taker like I am, I will make it clear when we're moving on to the next part so you can make notes. I'm going to read it first fully, and then we'll go through it together. So Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the disciples' prayer. This is Jesus' response when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. When was the last time that you prayed this prayer? When was the last time you asked God how he wants you to pray? This then is how you should pray. One, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is adoration or another word for adoration is worship. This is enjoying God's presence, reading out scriptures which glorify him, such as Acts 4 verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you make the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We need to be lifting up prayers of praise. We need to be rejoicing in him. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 5 says, rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't say when you feel like it. It doesn't say when you're in a good mood, but always. If you can't find your own words to pray, use the scriptures. The Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. Two, your kingdom come. This is intercession or another word, standing in the gap. This is how to bring the reign of God into our real life situations. Sometimes it's praying for others or standing in the gap with others in prayer over a situation. I've said this before during this talk and I'll say it again later, but God knows our every need. He knows our every thought. He knows every time our heart beats. He knows every hair on our head. And therefore, he knows what our prayers are, but he still wants us to ask him and communicate with him. For example, when I was growing up and I was going out somewhere, I knew that my dad would know that I was going to ask him to take me there. But I learned very quickly not to assume. Although I knew that he knew that. We need not to assume that God knows, because he does know, but he still needs to be asked and build up that relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us where we talk to him about things. We need to be asking for God's kingdom to come to this earth. We need to pray that his will will be done. Matthew 7 verses 7 to 10 talks about asking, seeking and knocking and how this needs to be a continual thing. You don't need to know the person or the situation that you are praying for or about, but we need to be standing with one another in prayer and the world asking for God's kingdom to come. Number three, unanswered prayer. Now this is a tricky one. This is the prayer of Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will will be done. In Luke 22, verse 42. We need to be praying that. God always answers our prayers. He answers yes, no, or wait. Think of it as a traffic light. Red meaning no, orange meaning wait, and green meaning yes. It may not happen in the timing that we want it or like it, But God always responds to us. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Call upon God, be patient, wait on him and don't give up. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. It reads, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. And this is my prayer and this is what I'm working towards. This is what I'm living my life towards that when I'm going to die or after I die, that I can say that I've kept being faithful to God, that I waited patiently for him and that I didn't give up out of my own selfish thinking and ways. Four, on earth as it is in heaven. As my home group would know, I struggle with this word contemplative prayer but this is one of my favourite types of prayer contemplative prayer Teresa of Avila says this is the prayer of quiet this is a prayer where you can just experience God enjoying being in his presence and contemplating him thinking about him there are so many different Bible verses which encourage praying in this way for example Psalm 19 verse 14 says Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And Psalm 1 verse 2, I like the way the Living Bible puts it, that they delight in doing everything God wants them to do. And day and night are always meditating on his laws and thinking about the ways to follow him more closely. By contemplating God, we are meeting God in the quiet. I was on a walk the other day and I felt God was telling me to go in this little marshy area. And to be honest, all I was thinking was, I don't want to get my shoes wet, but I was like, okay. And when I got there, I just felt like God was going, look, I made that. And look over there, I made that too. Look how beautiful and detailed it is. And I made you as well. In that quiet, i met with god contemplating god's creation and praising him for that is so powerful and such a beautiful part of prayer we can also do contemplative prayer by 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 repeating scriptures that you are thinking about or reading what each and every word means you're letting the words wash over you repeating scriptures over and over what you put into you will come out in your life However, you don't just want it to become vain repetition, but that every breath that you speak scripture with be life-giving. Number five, give us today our daily bread. This is asking and listening to the word of God. Matthew 4 verse 4 reads, It is written, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When we are are being spiritually deaf towards God, we are essentially starving ourselves. And this will show in the outworkings of our life. Learn, like Jill has been saying and speaking out about your scriptures, learn your scriptures. Know where your friends live. And this is something which I've been encouraging our young people to do in our weekly Bible studies. To learn a bit of scripture from every chapter that we go through. And then we can talk about them when we next see each other. Meditate in these scriptures. Ask God to help you learn your scriptures. I remember one summer when I was younger, my dad encouraged me to learn Psalm 23. And at first I was really confused why he was getting me to do work on my summer holidays. But I am so glad that he did that. There have been so many times in my life where I've called that scripture to mind, when I've spoken it out in times of worry or scared or great joy or when I'm walking and I just let those scriptures wash over me. Let scripture take over your life and get into every area of it. Number six, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is forgiveness. And this can be quite a painful prayer to pray and one that we don't really like doing it because dwelling on the things that we have done wrong and the things that we have done to wrong God is not always easy and it doesn't always feel comfortable. As I said at the beginning, sin is a scheme of the devil which puts a wedge between us and God. We need to bring those sins to God and ask him for forgiveness. I know most of you have heard this and many a time, but can I encourage you today to spend time with God, asking him to forgive you from any sins that you have committed, but also to ask him if there is anyone that you're harboring resentment or bitterness towards and that you need to forgive and ask for forgiveness from God about. Challenging, I know, I don't like it either. Number seven and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is spiritual warfare. As many of us know, life is a daily battle, and some days are a lot harder than others, and we feel it a lot more. In every second, in every day, there is a battle going on. It is relentless. It is a battle between good and evil, between righteousness and sin. The physical, psychological and spiritual realms are all intertwined. We need to be aware that there is a battle going on, but we need not to be overly consumed with it. C.S. Lewis wrote, there are two equal but opposite errors into which our race can fall into about the devil. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. In order to be prepared for anything that the devil throws our way, we need to be prepared in the full armour of God, as it says in Ephesians 6, verse 11 to 14. Once we have put on the armour of God, we need to stand firm and stand true in God. Number eight. For yours is the power and the glory for ever and ever, amen. This is once again adoration and worship. This is an early church edition, and that's why you didn't hear me read it in the first time I said it. This was to, a tradition as to end of prayer with a short hymn-like verse to once again, bring it back round to the glorification of God. A short verse which is filled with adoration, worship and praise to God. So how should slash can we pray? Matthew 6 verse six to eight says, "For when you pray, Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows what we need. He knows what we are thinking. He knows all the desires of our heart. We don't need to make our words eloquent and all strong together because God knows it before you're going to say it or even think it. Prayer is all about relationship. It says in 2 Chronicles 7 verses 13 to 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. I have so many young people coming up to me and telling me that they can't pray. They believe their lie that the prayers aren't important enough because their prayers aren't like someone else's in the youth groups or that God didn't make them able to pray. I've also had young people coming up to me and saying that God doesn't speak to them. Sorry. This is a lie. This is a lie that I have heard for years and years. And it makes me so angry that the devil could make up such a crafty lie that robs so many people from having a relationship with God because they believe they're not good enough. I've had to sit down with so many young people and tell them that this is a lie that they are believing. Thanks. (laughs) And pray through it with them. I also them to encourage them to pray out loud in youth groups, which I know lots of them don't like me doing. And every time I get an eye roll, but that is a way of breaking the lie that the devil has helped them to believe. The other reason why these two lies make me so angry is because they are the same two lies that I believed for years. That God did not speak to me and that he did not make me where I was able to pray out loud. He, the devil made me believe the lives so that my prayers were not important enough. They are. Prayer is all about your relationship with God, and I, like I said at the beginning, the devil wants to try and steal that away from you. So let let us look at how to pray now. Sorry. I believe that there are some people here today that may be seeing, feeling the same way, that your prayers aren't important, and they are. Prayer, like I said numerous times, and is that if that is all you take away from my preach today, prayer is all about relationship. So don't let the devil try and steal that away from you. So let us look at how to pray. Now we all know that all of our prayers are important and our relationship with God is all about prayer and communicating with him. Here are four ways on how to pray. The list is not extensive, but a great foundation to start with. One, open your heart. Our society produces a culture where we're not vulnerable and intimate with one another. We can pick and choose who to share our intimate thoughts and feelings with. And we can constantly put up barriers when we get hurt or being intimate didn't work out the way we thought it would. And I think this leaks into our prayer lives. When we are constantly keeping things from people closest to us or not being vulnerable with those people, that can affect our relationship with God. We treat him like one of our friends that we will only have surface relationships with. God wants a deep and loving relationship with us one where we go to him in every circumstance. I believe that for Christians, sometimes we can feel like God, we can keep God from our most intimate beings because we don't want him to know our innermost beings. Why? Our innermost beings are our sinful ways, our every thought and desire. We don't want God to know our sin because it's it's painful. But as we read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Open your heart to God, be vulnerable with him. Let him transform you by the renewing of your mind and heart. The Psalms are full of prayers, and these are the foundations of what we should be building our prayer lives around. You'll see, as you read through the Psalms, that David expressed every emotion and feeling and thought. He was having to god whether it be through his pain and suffering or through his great time of joy and gladness he let god into those deep moments number two be willing to listen sometimes we when we pray we get so caught up with our shopping lists we spend time mounting and not waiting for a response for example if i just speak at people and then not wait for a response I could be having the conversation with myself it is not me showing the person that I'm having the conversation with that I value them that I want their opinion or that their presence is enough we need to be willing to listen to God wait for his response also I just want to quickly say something about God's timing what really struck me on the prayer course that it can take a while for God's will to come into play because, as we know from Ephesians 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, God's will doesn't always fit into our perfect, perfect timing, but we know that it fits into God's heavenly perfect timing. So, let us be patient. Number three let it be a two-way thing like i said before don't just let it be you doing all the conversation let god speak enjoy listening to him and what he has to say be open to hearing from him invite him into your day when you wake up speak to him as you're doing your chores as you are doing cleaning when you're in the shower when you're driving to work prayer is speaking and spending time with god Brother Lawrence in his book also said that the time that he felt most in God's presence was when he was cleaning the kitchen floor. God wants us to be with him in the every little day things. If your family is all Jesus lovers, then speak about him. When was the last time you prayed together as a family, or shared with those who you love the most about the good things that God has done in your life recently? Praying, I'll say it again, is all about being relational, not transactional. You should not go into prayer only thinking, what can I get from God? But what can I also give to Him? He wants a relationship with you, all of your attention. Number four, be devoted and alert. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. My old college principal used to say, divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abort annually. This means take time out daily to be with God through prayer, through reading the scripture, through meditating on him. Then take a more substantial time out weekly to do the same. Then abort annually is very strong language because what he's trying to say is drop everything and go. Take the whole day out or a weekend doing a retreat to spend in time with you and God. Monks, when the bell rings, drop everything and just go for prayer. We should be that dedicated to prayer. And yes, we do, they do live in an ideal place for that, with everyone has the same cause. But we can make an ex- a thousand reasons not to do that. If it's to do with childcare, ask someone to look after your children. I would happily do that. Or if you can't do that, do it in your home. Dedicate time to God just as you would with your best friend. Prioritize him. Slow down. Build in time to be quiet with God. What I'm saying here is that we need to be making God our priority. We need to devote ourselves to him And a major part of that is giving time to God, giving time to work on your relationship. Being in a relationship is all about commitment and communication. God wants commitment from us and he wants us to communicate freely with him. Share your life with God. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says in the NLT, never stop praying. Never stop being in communication with God. Be committed to the communication that you have with God. Be devoted to him in prayer. So let me just recap. We've looked at what prayer is and how being in communication with God and how we should be practising being in the presence of God, coming to God in whatever situation and mood that we're in. We've looked at what the Bible says about prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Looking at the Lord's Prayer and the type of prayer that we can see in it which led us into how we can pray, given some examples as well as types of prayer that we can pray in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. The four examples which I used were one, open your heart, two, be willing to listen, three, let it be a two-way thing, and four, be devoted and alert. Let's just look back at the questions that I said at the beginning, which you can think about this week. Should we pray? Is prayer important? Does prayer actually work? And what is the point of praying? Now let us end by praying. Heavenly Father, you made the heavens and the earth. You made each and every single one of us and you love us. Father, just teach us how to pray. Teach us how you want us to talk to you. Father, thank you that we can be in relationship with you. And thank you that we can be in constant communication with you and teach us that, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen.